Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by 3M, PPG, and Breakthrough Academy. Welcome to Paint Ed. My name is Torlando. I am your host. So good to be with you good people today. Um, it's been a couple weeks actually since I've uh, been in this seat, so uh, I'm excited to get, get today's show underway. Uh, we're in the middle of summer as I'm recording it. Um, it is so freaking hot outside. I don't know where you're living, but my goodness, is it hot. And so if you guys are out there and you got your crew up on ladders and exteriors in the heat, bring them some drinks, bring them something to cool off. Be good to your people. Be good to your people. They are working so hard right now. And, uh, and, and, and you just gotta, you gotta shower them with love and, and gratitude. And, and, uh, you know, that's your responsibility. You know, they're, they're not just hired hands right these are your people uh and and if you don't care about your people if you don't take care of your people um it's not it's not a question of oh take care of your people and they'll take care of your customers that is of course you know going to happen but taking care of your people is a matter of being a good person all right. It's just it's just being a good person. If you're a good person and you own a painting company, you're going to take care of your people. That's the bottom line. So give them some drinks. Give them a break. You know, let them let them take off early if it's too hot. You know, maybe don't even send them out there. Say, say, Mr. Customer, hey, we got it. It's just too hot. It's just it's just not safe out there. So be careful out there, folks. Oh, we got a good show to you today. We got Tanner Mullen on. You guys know Tanner. You guys know Tanner. Very good show today. Great conversation that we're talking talking about. Before the show, uh, we were chit-chatting, and I, and I was reminded of a conversation uh, that I had with, uh, with another paint contractor who, um, look, life happens to us. Stuff in our personal life happens. Stuff in business life. Things happen. You fail. Things don't work out, okay? And... And that's okay. You know, there's one thing that, that I kind of learned when I've kind of faced my, you know, one of my biggest failures is, is that life moves on, you know, life finds a way you figure it out. I was, I was driving up to, uh, to Michigan to visit my family, um, over the weekend or last or at the beginning of the week, took a little vacation up to uh, Lake Michigan. And as I was driving along I-69, it's kind of a new highway that's interstate that's going from you know the the top of the u.s down to the bottom what i noticed is that there were all of these spots along the way where weed trees were sprouting up between the concrete and i thought to myself how are these how are this this life figuring out how to go through the cracks of the concrete and find the sun and find growth right 
It's crazy to me. It's concrete. But life finds a way. You know, when, when you are at the pit of despair, when you have nothing, when everything has failed around you, and you feel like you can't even get out of bed, you can. You're going to. You have to. Because every morning you wake up and, and life will find a way. You'll make it. You'll make it. So, so if you're having a hard time right now, just keep going, man. You'll make it. You really will. All right. So before we jump into today's show, just a couple quick announcements. Um, if you want to listen to this show on uh, iTunes, is it even called iTunes anymore? I keep saying that. It's not. I'm getting old. I, I've faced that. It's called Apple Podcast, people. Download it on Apple Podcasts. Download it on Google Podcasts, Spotify. It's available in all those places. But if you want to see the video, and I'm telling you, you might want to check out the video now because I upgraded my light system and my camera action is looking so much better. So you're going to want to see that upgrade. And uh, you can go to uh, PCAPaintEd.org and download um, PC Overdrive. You can also get that on the App Store where you can get the video content. And there's tons of video content, stuff to help you grow your business. Speaking of growing your business, uh, check out our business training uh, cohorts. That's uh, Right now it's in English. It's coming in Spanish soon. I'll be helping out with that. And so uh, check that out. All benefits of the PCA. Um, so, so yeah, we're going to talk about what it what what it looks like what it takes if you were to start over at the beginning and i did this i had to do this if you were to start over where would you begin and i think tanner mullen's an excellent person to talk to about this a little bit about tanner if you don't know he uh runs a painting company he runs a software company uh he's heavily involved in in the industry at this point he's got a uh, a, a a dynamic and um spicy facebook page uh, Facebook group, you know, all kinds of people are commenting on, uh, commenting on there and, and he's involved and he's committed. And, and I, I like the commitment. I do. I, I genuinely do. So we're going to talk a little bit about what it takes. If you were to start over with square one, where would you go? And I think for those of you who are in a place where you either are, have had a hard time and you need to, to kind of hit the reset button. I think this one is for you. And if you are just coming into the painting industry, or maybe you've been slinging a brush for somebody else for so long, and you're ready to hang your own shingle, this one's for you. Let's go ahead and bring Mr. Talon, Tanner Mullen onto the show. What's up, Tanner? Welcome to Paint Ed. Hey, Torlando, man. Awesome intro, man. Beautiful, beautiful words. Happy to be here, man. Awesome. So, so Tanner, give give our audience a little bit. You know, for those who aren't yet familiar with you, let's let's give them just a little bit of a background into how you got into this paint industry. Um, you know, where are you today? I, I'm not so concerned with you know the big number stuff. I just I want to know about the journey. You know, I want to know what pulled you into this industry what made you care about it what made you want to do something to affect some some change and have some industry impact here 
Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm 22 at the time, and I'm sitting in a little bit, a uh, little tiny cubicle uh, at this credit union where I was a uh, member service representative. So I did loans for people, and I thought my path was to work up the corporate ladder. Um, they had a new branch that was being uh, built, and you know, I I was planning on applying to be an assistant manager of the branch. I really liked banking. I thought this was my niche. And, um, you know, sure. every day I would sit in that cubicle and I just felt like my mind was becoming numb. The artificial lighting, uh, the people would mm. come in and out of that branch and it was almost like they were visiting me in jail and they get, got to leave and yeah. I'd see them walk out and the sun was shining. Um, and it was just interesting because uh, it was, you know, it was one of those branches and it was a very busy branch. People would always come in and out. You know, I just felt like, you know, I didn't I, I could see what my life was going to look like. There were people next to me in the cubicle next to me who had been there for 20 years mm. um, and they were doing the same thing I was. And I saw myself in their shoes. And um, have you ever have you ever seen the during that? Have you ever seen the TV show uh, Severance? I've not. Oh, it's it's uh, it's good. It's on Apple. It's on okay. Apple TV. Um, so basically the idea is like these people, they work at this, uh, company where, uh, the work is so banal and so mind numbing that, yeah, that they, uh, undergo a operation to where they cut their, they cut something in their brain to where when they're at work, they, they don't remember their life outside of work. And when they're outside of work, they can't remember their life inside of work. <laughs> and so for half of their brain, wow. it's all work all I the time. I could have used that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just have to, yeah, you would have done it. <laughs> I mean, I could have I used that thing. Listen, yeah. and it was, it was becoming monotonous. Um, and, you know, the interesting thing was is that I had a, a nice cushy salary coming from poverty as a kid. I had quite the upbringing and terms of uh in terms of you know just just didn't have the resources that uh, i wish i did have and i was a very motivated individual to sure. have gotten that position so young i had a great salary at about eighty thousand dollars a year full health insurance i mean they yeah. they stacked the deck um i didn't know if i was going to get another opportunity like that you know everything was comfortable however you know sometimes you need to be impacted in a way that forces you to make tough decisions and change. I'm sure you've experienced something similar in life that uh, altered your course. And about a year before that, my mom passed away. So that was when I was working. Mm -hmm. And my father, who was a painter by trade, uh, this was his, his trade was painting. And this was his livelihood was uh, to, to paint. And uh, she had passed away. And I don't know if you've heard this uh, scenario oh, where- sorry. Yeah. Thank you, man. Um, where the, where the painter, the husband just does the painting and the wife does all the business stuff, right? The phone calls, yeah. the, the books, the, the whole thing. And, uh, after my mom passed away, my dad just stopped everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he fell into an addiction and, uh, you know, he didn't do much painting and, and the painting he did, did did do was sparse and it wasn't very good. It wasn't the guy that I grew up with watching do okay. his his magic on homes, faux finishing. Right. This guy was this was his thing. And and when I was 13 years old, he'd wake me up in the morning. We'd go paint houses in the community that I 
painting now. I remember some houses that I went to yeah. when I was 13 years old. So being in a position where I was kind of stuck. And at that point I had, I was just making money going to work each day and every day was just passing me by. Um, it was getting bad at home. My sister mm. was there with him and she's my younger sister and he wasn't motivated and it was a really bad scenario. And there was a guy that came into the branch and his name was Cornelius. Uh, we're friends to this day. And he came in and he said, oh, I'm starting a painting business. I need you to help me open up a business, business account. Mm. And at that time, man, I was like, you know, I don't even know the first thing of starting a business, you know, it was always yeah, in, in my heart to be an entrepreneur one day, but I never thought of a painting business. And he came in and just seeing somebody do this, um, and it made me believe that I could too. Um, weeks went by, he started telling me about, he'd always come and see me cause we would talk about the painting business. Cause I'd tell him that my dad painted too. Um, yeah. so with, with that little nudge and, uh, communicating with my dad about what I wanted to do, I actually pulled the plug, uh, as a leap of leap of faith, left my cushy salary job and actually moved in with my sister and my dad to help them. Um, and that's, that's where I began, uh, with my, mm. my painting business. Wow, man, I, that's, uh, that's hard, man. That's, that's hard. I, uh, you, you never know. Yeah. I, you know, I, I get so frustrated with people who are too hard on people with, uh, addictions, uh, people, uh, you know, dealing with homelessness, because you just never know. You just never know what, where that comes from, you know, what, what it comes about. Like, it's hard to, it's easy to stand in, in one position and, and say, you know, what are you doing? But until you go through it, like, I just, that's, that's pretty harrowing. Um, so, so you, you took this leap, which is, which is, I'm sure scary, but you're young. And so kind of exciting. And you, uh, you have the motivation because you've got, you've got some responsibility that you're taking on. Um, my guess is that some of the folks that are listening to this right now, they, they might be resonating pretty hard with this. Um, they might be going through it. Maybe it's their, you know, maybe it's their loved one that's, that's dealing with issues. Uh, maybe they are the ones who, <clears throat> you know, were the back office um, you know, maybe they've got the, the little sister at home that they got to take care of. Um, what, <laughs> you know, you seem relatively happy now and, and at, at least, you know, I mean, look, I mean, it's, we, we, especially when you're in the social media, uh, sphere, we, we always put our, our best foot forward. So I'm not going to assume that you're happy all the time, but how did you, how did you, what was your first step? What do what, what what do you do in that in that situation? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, hold on once. My wife is calling me. Like, I'm sorry, brother. I have to I have to answer this. She's calling me eight times. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Hello. Hello. Okay. Oh, okay. No, she's okay. Sorry about no, that. Bro. I know it's going to be a little <laughs> bit of an edit for you. <laughs> so um, the story doesn't play out uh, as as easy as it sounds, man. It, you know, the interesting part about this is um, when I got home, the addiction was actually way worse than I had p 
possibly ex- been exposed mm-hmm. to. Um, and it was really bad. Um, and what I had thought was I would come in and just do the sales. I did not expect to be doing mm. any painting. I had the idea that I would go and sell the jobs and my dad would go paint them. Well, yeah. while I was in the process of transitioning, I had already put in my two weeks notice. We had gotten our first. When I was still working during that time, I would get phone calls from the customer. Where is he? Right. No mm-hmm. one's here. Yeah. Hearing one, and I'm an hour away. Mm. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, did I just make the biggest mistake ever? I already put in my two weeks. Right. Um, I ruined my chance at management. And I just doubled down on painting when I have no. Right now, I have no painter and I don't even know how to paint. I just did some prepping when I was a kid and some rolling. Right. Right. Right, But I found a way to sell a job. So that was really right. So I'm in. So I had to go all in. I left the job. I moved in. And uh, I realized very quickly that I need to learn how to paint. We worked. I had to keep the business going. And we kind of parted ways in a way just because he needed a lot more help than I thought. But I was on my own at that point. So I started tapping my resources. I reached out to some friends that needed some work, which thankfully had a good network of friends. And I came across a kid who had some painting experience. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, man, I have a couple jobs that I need done. Will you come paint with me? And he said yes and brought on his friends. So at this point in time, I had two people that I could put on jobs. And there's much more to the story, but that's kind of how it began, where I was like kind of just like in shock mode. I had to be as resourceful as I could, reach out to my local network and just get some people that I could trust to show up. And Right. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. So, so I think, you know, I think back to my, you know, humble beginnings, um, honestly, not as difficult as yours. Um, but there were, there were things that I think that I didn't know that made things go so slow. And when I hear this question of, you know, I, and I hear this a lot in the, in the paint groups, I hear it, you know, in, in group situations, if you were to start over, what would you, what would you do? And I think that we want, we're asking this question, people are asking this question because there has to be some kind of a shortcut, <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, we, we hope that it doesn't have to be all, you know, all grit, all blood, all sweat, all setbacks, but sometimes that's, that is part of it. Regardless, I think that the idea of this show is, is if we can in, in any way impart some of our experience, um, some of the research that we've done to help those who might be finding themselves in a similar situation or, or maybe, you know, hey, maybe everything is roses for them. And they just they're just like, now's a great time to be an entrepreneur. Yay, let's do it, you know. And but at regardless, we want to give them some sense of a of guidance on on where to begin. If if you were to go over back and start at the beginning. Sure. And, and maybe some of your circumstances are, are 
less dire, but maybe they are. We don't know. What's what do you do? How do you do it differently? What's the first thing that you do? Man, you know, starting over, I had a really rough start in the painting and business. You know, I kind of got blindsided um, of what I had thought I w- was going to happen and then what eventually winded up happening. Um, I'm going to kind of fast forward to the point of me getting people that were interested in me doing the work. Yeah. You know, I had a certain belief system originally when I began that I come from a customer service background. Okay, so I entered into an industry where customer service is still scarce at this point in this industry. Um, So what I did was and what I would tell someone to do is focus on your strength. That's what's going to give you the boost. For me, my strength was customer service. Interested, I would over communicate, under promise and over deliver. That was like my go-to, those three Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I knew that even though I didn't have the best production team, I wanted to win the job and then figure that out. Mm -hmm. The problem that could happen is you start to become anxious about your production. You become anxious about all the things that you can't control and you don't wind up focusing on anything. So for me, like the focus early on, and again, I'm talking about what I would have done differently, but also what I think should be done now for someone in this position is focus on what you can control. Now, in terms of what I would have done differently in that aspect, so I don't have something for this segment of the question of early on what what I've done differently. Now, we're going to talk about a few more other segments of this startup portion question here but i would say that you know the advice i would give to anyone is you have a strength whether that's painting whether that's customer service whether that's maybe even marketing you've Mm -hmm. got to play to your strength and if you're really strong in one of those areas you'll be successful i will say though early on the most dangerous strength to be really strong at is the actual painting because that mm. isn't what's going to start up your business. Hmm. I wonder if I, think I agree with that. Also, playing to playing to the strength is also being aware of your strength. Yeah. So if you're really good at painting. That means that you need to be aware that you need help with the sales and the marketing. Okay. So that's where I come in at. Is there's some people that just they're not salespeople, and that's okay. Yeah. But be aware of that early on so you can plan for a system or a process to help achieve that. Because as a business owner, you need to be adequate at all three of those areas. Right, right. Yeah, I, you know, I wonder if I, uh, you know, I, I think where I give pushback just a tiny bit is on that aspect of, you know, being a painter and, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a, a reason why one, the, the first reason is, is that it is the product. It is the thing that, um, it's the whole business, you know, it's, I mean, yes, you need to know how to sell, you know, how to, you know, how to market, but even, I think if you have outstanding painting skills, um, that 
that builds a reputation that can, you know, overcome weak sales processes. I, I truly believe that. But where I think that it's correct or where there's a seed of truth is that if your goal is to build and operate a, uh, you know, a small business that doesn't necessarily necessitate you being a painter, um, then, or at least it, now let me rephrase that. If you are going to build a business where you're, where your intention is employing other people, it is going to be hard to lead and manage those people. If you have your hand on a paintbrush every day, that, that is, that is going to be difficult. Um, you, you can lead a crew that way. Um, but it is going to be difficult to get beyond that. Um, but I'm not one of those people that believes that if you want to be successful in a painting company that you need to be a salesperson. Cause I just know too many business owners that don't operate that way. I agree. I think, and I actually put out a post in my painting group. Maybe I think it was about a year ago now. I said that the most successful painting business owners are the ones that are craftspeople first. I think mm. that someone like we know our good friend Nick Slavic has such a great balance between his craftsmanship and his business owner acumen. I think mm -hmm. your painting skills, you're, you're hoping that word of mouth carries your business through. And the problem with that is, is that word of mouth is random and, it, and you have no control over it. And early on in business, you really want to go in with a bang. So the painting isn't as important early on as creating consistency in your lead flow. Because if you don't have confidence in your lead flow, then you're not going to have confidence in hiring. Mm. Now, again, there's anomalies That's here. Fair. Yeah, I'm that's just fair, saying though. for what my goal was to achieve a system going back. I could have done it a lot quicker. Everyone could. And I'm sure people wish they could go back and change some things in painting and find something to help me be really good at communication and be really good at marketing so I can do what I'm best at and not compromise the growth. That's where I come from because I respect the craftsmen more than many because I believe that they have knowledge that even I don't and they can take on projects that even I can't with confidence. And I love that because there's a certain trust that customers have with someone that's a true craftsman that even me as a decent salesperson can't even convey to my customers. Cause again, a craftsman is a student of the craft. And those Absolutely. are truly the yeah. best salespeople, but in startup, that's where the that's where we can get a little deviated from the mission of growth early on. Build that momentum. No, that's good. That's Hope good. I no, that I, 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 I'm prone to giving pushback on the show. <laughs> Give me. Thank you, um, Tanner. We're going to take a quick break, and uh, and we'll be right back. Okay. Um, there's a a little bit of. Uh, lag and and uh with the audio are you are you getting that on my end or am i coming yeah there's a little bit of lag okay so here's here's what i want to do i want you to stay put i'm gonna um i'm gonna leave the studio 
and come back in, but you stay put. Okay. okay. And then, and then we'll do it in, in reverse. Okay. Okay. So yep, just we'll stay do. put. Don't, don't move. Okay. Now what I want you to do, are you, are you there? Can you hear me? Yep. I sure can. Okay. Now I want you to do the same thing. And then when you, um, when you do close out your browser and okay. then re reopen it. All right. So just click the link again, right? Pretty much. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I think that we're better. You want to say something? How about now? I think it's a little better. Yeah. Is that is better? It, is it, how, how is it on my end? Okay. Okay, Yeah. cool. Good. All right, we'll, uh, we'll be back in. We'll come right back in. Okay, All so right. before the break... Uh, you were mentioning this idea of uh, capitalizing on your strengths. And I think that there's an element of here of also capitalizing on the opportunities that come with that. And so if we are really good at sales, um, figuring out a way to when we have that sales opportunity to go above and beyond, if we're really great at customer service uh, to go above and beyond in that area, and that can kind of compensate for the, uh, you know, deficiencies that we have in other areas. Even if you're great at painting, that can sort of compensate for the deficiencies that you have in the other areas. But that isn't going to last forever. Right. There has to be an evolution as a business owner, as a person. But in terms of if like I'm, you know, if it got to my head, I got to start over. And, and yeah. I got to go get a job. I'm going to, I'm going to work to my strength. I'm going to work that angle as hard as I can get my first opportunity. That's the, that's the main thing. I mean, I think I've talked to people who they, they have this thing that will kind of, I mean, I, I've even talked to people who they have dreams of starting a business one day, not even people in the painting industry. They have, you know, they have a dream of starting a, a food truck or, uh, you know, a t-shirt printing company or whatever it is. They have this dream, but they're so stalled by what does it take to start a business that they don't even <clears throat> they don't start. And what they don't realize is a lot of us, we're just starting with the stuff that we know how to do. And we're, you know, kind of problem solving as we go for the rest of the stuff. And some stuff just doesn't even get handled. 
So we have to make that evolution. And and for you, you know, you mentioned and you, you mentioned this before the show that once you've kind of capitalized on your opportunities, you've focused on the service, you've gotten gritty. Now it became time to, OK, let's start to hone the things that are a little weak. Let's get, uh, you know, let's start to get those processes uh, in place. What's the first process that, that needs to be uh, settled up? Yeah, I mean, it's never ending refinement, never ending improvement. And early on, I knew that, you know, and it's all about balance. You know, you got to be balanced. And that's what the topic of this really is in terms of startup is if you're imbalanced in your specialty, which may be painting, we need to figure out a way to balance out, say, marketing and administration. You have to be balanced. And really, sometimes chaos happens when there's an imbalance of those things. If there's not enough sales happening, then production sitting on the sidelines. If there's not enough marketing happening, then there's not enough estimates happening. And then there's not enough sales being closed. If there's, you know, not enough oh, production, yeah. then guess what? Your sales are going to struggle because, you know, so everything just feeds on one another. So that's where I come from with that. The next thing was I had to make sure that I was converting opportunities to customers and at a good enough rate to where I wasn't letting opportunities slip through the cracks because I didn't do a good enough job of capitalizing on the right types of customers. And first of all, you have to have a bunch of opportunities to figure out what is the right type of customer, you know, for your right. business. Right. And what type of job type do I want to take on? So I started narrowing down the type of job that I would take on and I've started figuring out what is my ideal customer and what are their wants, needs, and desires. You know, I wanted to reverse engineer the estimate process. And I did that because I didn't want to waste money and I didn't want to waste time. So I'm going to give you an example, Orlando. I think you'll like this. All right. If you go into a restaurant and you've never been there, okay, if you've never been to the restaurant, what can you expect to happen as soon as you walk in? Uh, a host would, would greet me and ask me how many people are at my party. Exactly. Every time you go to a restaurant, that's the expectation. And me being in the restaurant industry, I knew that restaurants are very good at putting people through a conveyor belt. And that conveyor mm. belt is they get seated. A waitress or a waiter comes up, takes the drink order, puts it in the computer. They bring the drinks. Then they take the food order. Right. And then there's mm -hmm. this system at play. And for me, I wanted to create something similar in my business even though the standard is everyone and every single painting business does it differently. Mm -hmm. So what I wanted to do was create the perception in the eyes of the customer that we've got everything under control. Now, if you walked into that restaurant to Orlando and you were standing at the host desk for 10 minutes and no one greeted you, how likely are you to enjoy that experience going forward? I just might up and leave Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> go find another restaurant. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the same thing if, if you call a contractor and they don't answer the phone and then they text you and or they don't get back to you at all? Right off the bat, that initial experience is poor. So when right. I show up at the door to try to sell you my quote unquote food, you already have a bad taste in your mouth about me. So first right. impression was the big focus early on. How can I create a great first impression for people? 
So when they right. called me, one of the first things I could control was my greeting and the questions I asked. Mm -hmm. You made a good point. How many people are in your party? Right. right. In other words, the host wants to know, how can I set up your table to maximize your experience? Mm. So what they're doing is they're asking questions to give you the best possible experience. So if they did not ask that, and it was just you and someone else coming in to eat dinner, but eight more people were outside and they brought you to a table of two and then the rest of the party came in, guess what? That's a poor experience for the rest of your party. Right. Another great question a restaurant might ask is, are we celebrating any occasions tonight? Mm. Well, if it's a birthday or an anniversary, they might make a note. And guess what? You get a free dessert at the end. Right. Someone comes out and sings to you. Right. So I understood that in the same way, my business to Orlando had needs and wants and desires behind the paint job. So what I right. did was, is I started to ask questions that extracted those needs and allowed me to provide solutions based on the customer. And this was a big focus of mine because I recognized that not everybody has the same reason they want to paint their house. Some are selling, some are moving mm -hmm. in, some are preparing to invest. Some have been living for so long and want to change the place. So right. why would I go in with the same sales process every single time? I wouldn't. And that's right. what happened. Or, even the, what or happened. even the same offer. Or even the same offer. Right. So right. That's, that was the focus. That was the next step after, after the first step of, you know, making sure that I'm refining these areas of starting on my business. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that I do think that that, is a, a, a very good logical step, especially if the other areas are, are going um, fine, you know, if they're doing, if they're doing all right, because you really, um, and, and you know this from being a, a software guy, that it's really not that advantageous to optimize for something that isn't a problem yet. And, 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 and you know, for, for those who, who aren't aware Perfect in the enough. software in the software world, it's really easy to do that. It's really easy to say, well, what if the customer wants to do this, this, and that? And then you spend five months working on a, 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 a you know, a feature that it doesn't work the way that people need it to, and nobody uses it anyway. And it, and so this is a common thing, just over optimizing before before the problem presents itself. This can happen in, in painting too. And and when I uh, started my new company, my second painting company, um, I specifically went into certain areas to see if I was over-optimizing, if some of my carryover processes were over-optimized. So, uh, and and it, from the basic ones, you know, from from even answering the telephone, which I thought was a good example here, because uh, it's, it's, it's a basic, but... I was, I questioned it. It's like, you know, do I need to have like, you know, the long, da, 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 greet, you know, that whole thing, is that even necessary yeah. or can I just say hello? And so I started with hello and, uh, and, <laughs> and then I, and then I found out, oh, they, they don't know if they got the right number. And so if I say, hello, this is Torlando with Craftsman right. Painter. Now they know that they've got the right place. Right. And so you build 
these little things. And I, and I, I don't think that there's anything wrong when you go back to the beginning or when you're just starting out uh, with starting with something so basic to see what's, what's necessary and what, what isn't. Um, but you do have to pay attention. You know, you do have to pick up on those cues of, oh, well, every time I say hello, the person says, is this, you know, <laughs> like they're not sure, right? You have Very to be able true. to pick up Very on those cues, analogy. right? Yeah. Yeah. And make those find them. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, again, I think with startup and where people get so concerned and worried and, and they hold themselves back on startup is that they think they have to have everything in place before they launch. You don't. You just have to, like you said, launch with your strengths and refine the thing, the th the, those other things over time. And so what I love about this uh, second phase is, is the sales process, because I do think that for a large majority of startups in the paint industry, I think most of them are starting as painters and turning into a business. There are a handful of people who come from outside industries and then they, they learn the exact opposite problem. You know, I mean, we've, uh, you and I both have a, a connection who is doing that. They're starting from, uh, you know, from the marketing world and thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to start a painting company yep. and oh boy, is there a lot to learn. <laughs> so, sure so for sure those who have that strong sales process, I think, you know, to me, there's two, there's two parts of the business. I know you said three, but for me, I simplify it to two. There's get the work and there's do the work. Yeah. Once yeah, you know how to, okay. <laughs> once you, once you know how to get the work, yeah, keep it real simple here. Get the work, do the work. Once you, once you feel like you've got that process to a place where you're consistently getting enough work to keep people, people busy the thing that happens after that is that every time you add on a new job, every time you extend your, uh, your wait list, every time you bring on another painter to take on the workload of the, the volume of sales, now your systems start to break. And this is another software analogy. You build something over here and it breaks over here. And, and that happens when in the get the work, do the work. Once you start adding on a certain number of people to your team, even if it's from one person to two people, stuff starts breaking. And so um, how do we, you know, how do we do that? How do we overcome this? What's the next step in, in your process for if you were to start over? Yeah, I mean, well, we've covered, you know, what the foundation looks like, um, you know, just awareness and uh, approach. And the second one is refining sales. Um, the most important thing that I would, you know, just talk to my older self or younger self would be, you got to have reps in order to refine. Um, you know, if you don't have people to practice on, um, then you don't have anything to refine. And while you're in the process of refinement, which is heavily early on, of course, because everything's up for negotiation in terms of what process should stick and which one shouldn't. You should have awareness and you should study those processes and track the results so you can solidify something as a system in your business. And that system doesn't need to be concrete. It just needs to be a system. So in other words, what I did was is I changed my approach on how I did estimates. I started asking the right questions. I started learning the responses to those questions and then figuring out if that helped me win the job, getting feedback from the customer of why they hired us. Um, 
looking at their facial expressions when I presented quotes to people and realizing my price might be a little too off, mm -hmm. you know, or hearing feedback as to why they think my price is too off. And then asking questions as to what their belief system is and where they got their number from and understanding that not many people have dealt with a professional painting business. And I learned that. So I started helping them see what they get when they hire a professional painting business, what the expectations right. are. You know, we have a checklist at the end of each job that we have the customer fill out. It says, did we turn off the hose? Did we clean up the trash? Did we uh, leave you a pint of paint? Did we label the paint? Did we do all the things at the end of the job? And you know what I started doing to Orlando? Hmm. I started handing it to them in the beginning during the estimate, mm. right? Most mm -hmm. people don't know mm -hmm. how to project manage their home at the end of any job. They don't know what to look for. They rely right. on the contractor to do that. Well, right. we're so transparent right. with our process that I started giving them our checklist early on. I said, oh, hey, that's... here's what you're going to get out of us at the end because ultimately that's what makes them make their decision is the trust that they have that I'm going to complete what I promised and doing yeah. that has transitioned our sales process tremendously. Something as simple as wondering what my customer thinks and wondering what opposition they have toward me. Cause I know I'm going to do a good job, but do they know that? Do they truly right. know that I'm going to knock this out of the park and what can I do to fill in those gaps of doubt? So the third thing is after we've narrowed down the sales process is production. And I was telling Torlando this, I never wanted to sell a crappy product because right. a great product gives you leverage. You could be an average salesperson, but if you know your product is the best, you're going to convey to the customer that we're the best. You don't need to be yeah. fast talking. You don't need to be slick. You don't need to have the perfect words. You just need to exude confidence. And if you right. make your production a focus in terms of just having the best team, which is hiring, making sure you have the best people with the best standard and that care, then when you go to that estimate, you truly will convey confidence in a way that someone that doesn't have the best production will not be able to do. And what we're doing is we're transferring feelings to people in this estimate. And what I wanted to be able to do was say, listen, if you hire me, this job will be done to the standard that you expect and I expect, and we will exceed your expectations. Ray, my project manager, he's probably going to be the guy I give this job to. He loves doing exteriors. He's so friendly. He's a family guy. You're going to be sad when he leaves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's hard to compete with that. And I made that happen through a diligent hiring process and making sure that the standard's high, not only with my managers, but with the jobs. So I want yeah. to sell good. Yeah. It easy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm so I wrote that down because that's that's something that I'm I'm taking to the bank with me. <laughs> that homeowner checklist. Uh, that's that's so good. Um no, this is this is exactly it because uh, you know, because this is kind of where I get I start to get frustrated by the the guys online who tout the massive numbers. And they don't share or shine a light on how difficult it is to keep with consistent production. And I, you know, homeowners, so it's like dogs, okay? Dogs can sense fear. Homeowners can sense BS. 
<laughs> and they, you know they really can yes, and if can. you if you don't believe and and know it it can't even be a belief it has to be just a sheer knowledge that your crew's sure. going to do a good job and if you don't have that knowledge then it's it's hard to pretend to have the confidence that they are um and if you have if you hire salespeople, then they're they're going to be worse at it they're going to be worse at pretending and they're not going to stick around because, you know, like you said, you said this before the show, when you were doing cars, you went to Toyota because you wanted you wanted the best and and, you know, not not a Kia. I know that our, there's because some of our listeners are going to be like, toy, <laughs> they're going to get mad at that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the idea is that I think salespeople, especially if you have the ambition to grow a company to where you have salespeople, you, you truly have to understand that your salespeople are not going to stick around very long if they don't believe in the, in the product and they won't believe in the product if they have callbacks and the salespeople are always the ones that get the callbacks. Um, it's, it's just the way that it goes. You can do all the redirecting and, you know, cu customer coaching that you want to do, but most of them are going to go back to that salesperson and say, Hey, could you talk to the crew leader, even though they're in the house? So, so if, if your, your salesperson is going to know if that job isn't being done well, and if it's not being do done well, then you're going to lose them. And if, and if it's not being done well for you, um, you're just going to have a job that never ends. You're going to have emails late at night. You're going to have phone calls, text messages. Uh, your vacations are going to be disrupted. Um, it's just not going to be fun. Uh, but I can tell you from my own experience uh, on both sides of the aisle, when I have great crews, I can go on vacation. And I don't have to worry. When I have crews that need a lot right. of hold handing, I can't go on vacation. It's not a vacation. I might not uh, be in yeah. town, but I'm not on vacation. Nah. Love it. So what else 100%. are you doing? 100%. So last, so, so give us one, give us one more solid tip on how you are aligning production with the promise. Because at the beginning of the show, you said, that you under promise and over deliver. But as a salesperson to get the job, it is so easy to put a long list of promises that sometimes certain, certain painters, you know, it's going to be hard for them to fulfill all those things that you're promising. How do you get your production to align with the promise? Well, I think it's, wow it's a good question but you know we got to make sure everyone's on the same page so having a good system in place to really just identify well the promise is is on literature it's my proposal and you're going to follow this work order that has the exact promises we made of the scope of work so when someone exchanges their dollar for our service the expectation is is that's the exchange dollar service if i fulfill everything that's on this piece of paper or this proposal, then ultimately we've done our job and we've kept our promise. Okay. So that's the first expectation of my team is to paint the walls, paint the trim, paint the doors and do all that stuff. Now mm -hmm. where I say we over deliver is the intangibles and how we go about doing that. And there's a few ways that you can go about doing that, but our North star and the question that I ask my team, because if we can just simplify the focus, then all will be well and we'll actually achieve something 
And this is the question I ask at the end of the day. So at the end of the day, I call each of my project managers every day. And I ask them one very, very simple question to Orlando. Is the customer happy? If the answer is no, why? And mm -hmm. if we can nar narrow down why, then we do whatever we can to change that to make them happy. Now, if they don't like the color or if there's something that we can do that isn't expected of us to convert that customer from disappointed or not happy to ha happy, then that's the focus. Now, if the customer is happy, then we've accomplished our job. But the thing is, from a leadership perspective, they know my question's coming. Is the right. customer happy? So in their head, every day, the focus now becomes, instead of, is the job done yet, to, is the customer happy? Because mm -hmm. if my question is how much longer every time, then right. guess what their focus will be? Speed. Speed. Yep. That's my job. My job is to make sure my scheduling is adequate. Right. But their job is to make sure the customer's happy. I got to make sure that my focus is their focus when it comes to my expectations. And my question to them is, is the customer happy? And how I align sales with production is in sales i'm figuring out what makes you happy and in production mm -hmm. i'm making sure that my team figures out what makes you happy now some people you just can't make happy because they're unhappy and that's sure. the anomaly those are the outliers but as a company <laughs> we're trying to figure out what that is so example julio one of my uh project managers he's always looking for something out of the scope of work that he can paint for the customer to just add that little extra thing. Sometimes yeah. it's lights that are on the outside of the house. Sometimes it's like, like a random pole that no one would expect to be painted, a birdhouse, a chair, just something. It's mm -hmm. like something that he focuses on. And he gets more reviews than everyone else because yeah. he's going 1% more. And I love mm. that. And it inspires my other guys to do that. So you know, ultimately, man, the focus in my business is, is the customer happy? I could care less about anything else. I will find out if your job is dragging because you're not optimizing your time. I'll find right. that out and I'll eliminate that. So if you're optimizing right. the customer's not happy, then we can step in and figure out what's going on. So time should never be right. the focus. It should be, what do we need to do to make this customer happy? And, and it, it's amazing what we've under, uncovered from our customer by not only just asking the team members that, but asking the customer that. Are you happy? Yeah. And then hearing the response and caring enough and then figuring out what we can do to change that. Got it, man. That's good. That's good. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Tanner Mullen, uh, premium painting and uh, drip jobs. Great conversation today. Um, we're uh, you got to tell people where to find you, man. You got to tell if they, I know you got stuff going on. Give them something. Man, listen, you know, I came here to provide value to Orlando, man. You do a great interview. I love the PCA. Um, I'm going to, instead of creating a call to action for myself, sign up for the PCA. If you're not, if you're listening to this and you're not a part of the PCA, uh, they got some really exciting things going on. Can they listen to this if they're not in the PCA? Oh, yeah. Orlando? 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh, good. Okay. So go to the PCA. Uh, <laughs> let's just do that. Don't worry about the other intangibles. Build your business. Um, thank you for this opportunity. Um, and uh, maybe I will see you at the expo this year. So if you guys want to chat with me, uh, I'll be at the expo in Orlando. So make sure you guys come and hang out uh, there. And, uh, you know, I look forward to meeting you if you've listened to this podcast and want to ask some questions. All right. Thanks, Tanner. Thanks for being on the show. All right, there we have it. Tanner Mullen with Drip Jobs and Premium Painting. Great conversation. I picked up a, a couple of nuggets that I think are, um, you know, they're essential pieces of, of the business. And, and that's the beautiful thing about listening to shows like this. Uh, you know, he's got one out there. Several people have shows. If you're out there and you're driving to estimates and, or you're, uh, you know, on a ladder, make sure that you're filling your ears with good content because what's going to happen is you're going to build your business bit by bit one rung at a time okay and you take these little things you put them in you implement them you make them a part of your culture you make them a part of who you are and in the long run you're going to have a business that you're really proud of and you're going to have a even better you're going to have a life that you're proud of um so grateful to Tanner for being on the show. Um, and he was right. You guys should join the PCA if you're not a member. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a drop in the bucket, the, the annual fee is. And, uh, and I highly recommend it. Um, you know, this time of year, uh, we're in the summertime. So, you know, Expo courses is, is uh, late, uh, late winter, early spring. But we've got um, a lot of great events popping up. Uh, we've got a Spanish-speaking conference coming up in Orlando in September. Um, you can send your Spanish crews there. If you're uh, uh, bilingual, make sure you look out for that. We've got a, um, we'll probably put this in the show notes. There's an event page for that uh, in September. I believe it's the, I want to say the 29th. Um, what else have we got? Uh, well, you know, there's overdrive, of course. Um, but anyways... Thanks to Tanner for being on the show. Thanks for the PCA for producing. My name is Torlando, and this has been Pain Ed. Pain Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org. 